Welcome to Decades from Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, 69, 69 dudes! I'm Nick Outen of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by the William S. Preston Esquire to my Ted Theodore Logan, Simon Most Outstanding Maddox. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> Yeah, we were very much hitching our wagon <laughs> to a major movie franchise and hoping to boost the numbers. <laughs> Too bloody right. I don't see that as a problem. I think that's an entirely no. sensible way to approach it. And the listeners will know from the general shitty audio quality that I'm producing right now that I'm not at my usual station. I was meant to be back in Germany on Sunday. Guess what? I got the Rona. <laughs> so, Yeah. I had to reschedule all my flights and now I'm stuck in a weird purgatory of being in the place I wanted to be for two years, but I can't actually leave the house <laughs> <laughs> or go and see anybody or do anything. So yeah, I'm not quite the highlight of the holiday, but still an interesting <laughs> development. Far from ideal, let's, let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, welcome to the Recover From Corona crew. Welcome. Uh, enjoy your new superpower and, and use it positively. Uh, spread the good word of geimpft und genesen. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I, I think I was fairly, fairly lucky I didn't get it. I don't think I got it as bad as you did, but I felt, felt like a zombie on Friday. And I was kind of fighting. I was like, it's a hangover. It's more just a long hangover from <laughs> my, my drinking. And then got a Sunday and I just did a COVID test. And I, didn't, I wasn't even surprised when... Mm-hmm. The first line came up, and I was just like, yeah, this makes sense. The worst thing is, I then had to go and prove that I'd got corona for, for work and so forth, which is fine. But they cancelled, well, they closed all the testing centres on uh, the 31st of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you've you've got no free testing. And it, I got quoted in one place for a P, just a basic PCR test. £145. £145? Ended up paying £99, which I thought was a... Yeah, I know, it was a real kicker. But um, I needed to do it because there's no way my work was going to just go, oh, yeah, sure, that sounds legit. You got got COVID on holiday and you need to take another week off? Okay. That's nearly €120, and that's the bargain price. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. crazy totally totally nuts and the, what you weren't finding anything cheaper than that and everywhere was way well obviously they're going to be more concerned with flights out so they're like oh do you need it to fly because it's cheaper if you need it to fly and it's like no i actually just need to prove that i've got it mm. it's a different different test if you if you just fly and i think it's a less thorough test and the process is a little <laughs> bit easier perfect and that's just like hi <laughs> well the truth is the truth is anyone could just get on a plane because they're not you don't need a test before you get on a plane mm. if i'd been some scumbag i could just got on a plane on yeah on sunday morning and just taking the flight and had a mask on because i wasn't coughing or anything i just had like hardcore flu symptoms and the other thing is i smoked a couple of cigarettes on thursday so my lungs already felt pretty heavy so again i just didn't assess it until saturday morning i know bad nick You've, you've been in England like 10 days and you're already smoking <laughs> and catching diseases. I've, I've gone fucking native, dude, man, honestly. <laughs> My pie consumption's rocketed. <laughs> My health is deteriorating. I haven't seen a salad in at least, I don't know, eight days. <laughs> yeah, man. And all I've been drinking is Peroni. This is no life. <laughs> this is no life. Peroni. I mean, it's, it's all right if you're in a pizza express, but Peroni is not. <laughs> 
an excellent beer. Do you want? Do you know we talked about getting beers for cheap in Britain and mm-hmm. talking about how you get cans of stuff? Nah, none of that anymore. Like, like I, I think I got twelve bottles of Peroni for fourteen quid, and those are three hundred and thirty ml bottles. As yeah, well, yeah, right? just normal yeah. bottles. Like, but you're not getting like mad deals anymore. And actually, the we the supermarkets I've been to, the booze section's been pretty pretty meagre. Mm. The um they've not got as many beers um available. Um, we did find a it's a curious little news agent that has like a basement full of German beer. Okay. So, but the price is obviously the price, right? But still, they had stuff that we can't even get in Bavaria. Oh, really? Like um, I Einger, for instance, okay. uh, the Superbock had loads of that. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll fill my boots. And when I've recovered, I can have these. So. How much is an Eyinger Superbock? I think the Superbock was six quid. That's that's Big bottle, though. That will do. <laughs> 6.7%. So oh. I'll drink half of that and I'll just fall asleep, probably. <laughs> but it was just hilarious seeing that in a news agents in, in Newcastle. There isn't even a news agents in, that I know of in Bavaria. It's an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about. Like in London and major cities, news agents are really bizarre places that sell a really wide plethora of things. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's the same between one to the other is magazines and newspapers and cigarettes. But those things aside, you could find like a really good selection of cereals in one. Most like mini supermarkets, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's very much what they are. Whereas I guess the closest equivalent to like a news agent is like a Lotto Laden. You're lucky if they sell like Coca-Cola. Like it's normally some off-brand shit. <laughs> Panda Pop. That's true. <laughs> or you'll find a Lotto shop and it is exactly as advertised. It sells Lotto mm-hmm. tickets and nothing else. And you're just like, how is this not a news agent? Yeah. It's very weird. But yeah, you can get sandwiches and you can get mm-hmm. um, pretty much anything you could get in like a small supermarket. You might get some fresh fruit and vegetables in some of them. It depends on how it how well stocked it is. I mean, I say in that, like if you go up to where my mum lives and my mum lives in like a, um, a Raji housing estate, that used to have a news agent and now it's just a place called Munchies. And all it is now is just, they've got like just fast, like not fast food, it's like, it's like kebabs and pizza and chips and stuff like that. And there's a, fit, a chip, chippy on the, on the corner. But and a betting shop, that's everything they've got. I mean, I guess it's worth clarifying at this point that for our German listeners, that munchies is like the vernacular for food you eat whilst you're stoned. And when you, <laughs> yeah, when you smoke some pissed. cannabis, then you get munchies. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it's very much knowing what, what his target audience is up to. You know? <laughs> no, it's like Yeah. It's I'll take a photo of it next time I go past because it's got a very the they're painting it black and they've got a very elaborate signage. But I've yet to see it open, so it's just open I'm from curious. one a.m. until five. <laughs> I guess so. Whenever, whenever the stoners need their fix, but it makes me think of one of my favourite places in Nambo, which is Wurst Durst. Oh right, yeah, Sausage yeah. Thirst, which is a mm. fantastic, also painted black with good signage. Um, so yeah, they're, mm. they're knowing their audience as well. These these niche little munchy spots. I know. Would you rather have like a kebab? on a pizza or a sausage when you were really needing and needing of some munchies? I mean, if I walk past Verstus and I smell their, like, their curry Verst and it's spicy like, on chips, yeah, I'd probably go for that. I think I'd just eat that if I walked past it and smelled it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't need any, like, any other chemical enhancements. I think it's just, yeah, that's the option. But I'd have to be, I'd have to be catatonic to have a kebab on, on pizza. Yeah. That would be pretty horrific. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I'll tell you something I've noticed. I'll be interested to see if this 
this starts in, in where we live. Maybe they have it in the north of Germany, I don't know. But we went to this place called Lane 7 in Newcastle. And it's essentially like three floors of bowling. It's got bars. It's got like old school video games, beer pong, table tennis, all in one sort of block. It's all very mm-hmm. cool and like hip looking. and But it's just people getting getting lashed bowling and playing like table tennis, which is hilarious. But I was like, how is this not... Like and it's really cool and well lit and all everyone who works there looks mm-hmm. like a freaking model and they serve like gourmet burgers and I was like how is this not a thing like you would have thought the Germany would be eating this stuff up because like all of those things seem to be a combination of stuff that people would enjoy it doesn't make much sense it's not here yet I mean mm. in in Portland Oregon there were five or six really good beer cades as they call them like arcades mm. that sell beer with yeah vintage machines like new ones as well all selling. A really impressive selection of local mm. beers. Um, chuck on some gourmet burgers, and you've got a, a really good adult yeah, yeah. day out. I think we need to start a business. I know, I know. Oh, God. Oh, I just don't have the energy. Decades from Home even works as a name for a, a beer cake. <laughs> oh, right. I'll start the proposal. Didn't we propose another business last week? I haven't finished the proposal for that one. Yeah, we're, we're, we're open to investors. <laughs> <laughs> just an angel investor, please. We're ideas, Ben. <laughs> none, none of those, uh, none of those hedge funders. We don't need any of that, Charles. So yeah. Anyway, the rest of my prattling on. What's been going on with you? I'm, I'm fighting every instinct to not talk about the weather because we had fucking snow here. All right, I think that's legit. You can talk about that weather, like, because that was pretty mad. I literally opened the door to that conversation because it was a bit ridiculous. So yeah, snow in April. I mean, my memory is not great, but I don't recall it ever snowing then. It probably has. I'm pretty sure it snowed in April last year. Like, I've got a feeling that I wasn't that surprised when it happened. But we had 21 degrees like three days earlier. Like, the, the swing was <laughs> yeah, <that's> huge. Right. <laughs> That was it. It went from being really warm to really cold. And yeah, I was looking out my garden, got a couple of trees in blossom, looking really lovely. All my daffodils had come up, and I was really proud of them. We had my wife's sister and her family visit on the way back from the mountains, and the kids had played football in the garden. All my daffodils had survived. Yeah! I was I was really, really <laughs> delighted, because I was expecting them to get torn up then. And then the snow came and just like wiped them all out, I thought. But they're all they're rallying my brave little daffodils feeling the spirit of St David exactly the hardened Welsh stock that's exactly. what it is it was kind of ridiculous well I, it's the northeast, so I expected when it started snowing here that I was like well, yeah yeah that seems about normal for here mm-hmm. um, I'll just accept that it's the north of England but then I think my wife sent us a whatsapp photo of the garden I was just like oh what but the first thing I thought was Simon's fingers will be itching to get hold of the uh, the old snow shovel get himself Get myself an extra shovel before the uh, the summer comes. I mean, I hadn't put it in the cellar yet. It was ready for action, but I didn't need it. Uh, no. It rained a decent amount. The pavements cleared naturally on their own, so it was fine. But we had like three, four inches in the garden. It was it was not a small amount of snow. A lot of our more sensitive flowers didn't make it, but they served us well in their short life. But you're a, you're a sensitive flower, and you're still here, so that's okay. I am. I am. I'm a... <laughs> I'm less hardy than the bluebells I've got in my front garden. They're all standing proud, brave little bastards. Yeah, man, you can't destroy a bluebell. Bluebells are proper rock solid. Bluebells are rock solid is a great name for an album. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think we found the episode name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pitched Wild Stallions in the script. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a toughie. I think it has to be Wild Stallions, doesn't it? Ah, uh, well, 
we'll see we'll see what I, how I feel on Saturday morning. <laughs> so yeah hence the uh 69 dude at the start and my picture of wild stallions people in the know will know william s preston esquire and ted theodore logan are indeed the the cast members of bill and ted so yeah i guess the 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 best question to go from here is what's the best keanu reeves film oh jeez, um that's a real tough one i mean he's been in some some massive massive films there's no denying his uh, his credentials. I guess it's like the Matrix is hard to look past. I'd say my preference, if you were going to give me a choice, would be um, Point Break, probably. Mm-hmm. Or Speed. Speed's pretty solid. Crew cut, young, fresh face, 1994 Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that was, that was a great film. And Sandy Bullock, mm-hmm. can't go wrong with her. And of course... There's our German connection. Sandy Bullock was born in Ansbach and speaks German. Yeah, amazing Bavarian. Like she's got, she can yeah. switch the dialect quite, quite niftily. Puts us all to shame, <laughs> or at least puts me to shame. Point Break definitely is solid because he plays. Doesn't he play Johnny Utah? I think that's his name. Yeah, Johnny oh, Utah. that's such a good name. name. But Bill and Ted's amazing. I like. I, I was. I often think about Bill and Ted. It was a very formative film. Um, my brothers think like, watched it at the cinema, and then they brought mm-hmm. it home. And it's kind of been in my in life for the the entirety of my existence. It's like I saw it when I was really young, and then I've seen it no numerous times since. I mean, it is. I mean, I assume we're talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, the first uh, one, right? Yeah, the nineteen eighty nine jam. So I mean, yeah, we were five and six um, when that came when out. When did it come out? What year did it come out? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah. So I must have, must have watched it as soon as it came out on video. My brothers must have okay. got it from the video store because I remember watching it and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Didn't get half the jokes. Like I remember watching it a few years ago and going, bloody hell, like <laughs> there's loads of stuff in here that I was just totally unaware of. Like loads of sexual innuendo. And yeah. obviously 69 is the, the, the one as well. <laughs> and it's like, I never understood that. Um, but yeah, man, like I could like, I remember that distinctly. The the bit where he talks about where they meet Socrates, who's obviously Socrates, that's what I keep calling him. <laughs> and like, they, they see him and, he, and he's like, Ted, go philosophize with him. And he goes, he goes to speak to so- Socrates, who obviously doesn't speak English. And he goes, all we are is dust in the wind. <laughs> it's the Kansas quote. It's, oh, it's such a good film. I could talk about that movie for a lot. I love it. I love it, it is, so much. It's, it's an excellent, excellent film. And yeah, it's, it's, I'd say it's my number two Keanu Reeves joint. Uh, I have mm. to agree that Point Break is the number one. Um, is that your favourite Keanu Reeves movie? Oh, by by miles as well. It's oh, so good. It has friends. everything. It has everything. <laughs> it's got it surfing. Does. It's got big wave riding. It's got it's got amazing bank robbery scenes. Like it's got it's got him angrily shooting his gun in the air because he can't bear yeah. to shoot Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Oh yeah, skydiving. It's oh, it's just an action-packed romp. Both actors at their absolute peak as well. Yeah, it's a really um, good yeah, film. Swayze. Oh, have you watched the remake? No, no, I, I don't want to. I watched um, Alex Honnold, the the free solo climber. I saw him uh, talking about. I think there's a GQ that does a series on YouTube where it's like an expert talks about this thing that's in film. So he talks mm, about rock climbing yeah. scenes and they showed the new point break and some free siloing. And he was just like, it looks amazing, but it's complete bollocks. Like this, this cannot happen. It is so dangerous what they're doing that no one would ever do this in real life. And that was all I needed to know. I think the surfing in the original one was pretty natural. 
I can't imagine there being m- many special effects. There mm-hmm. wasn't like many special effects, but it had Anthony Kiedis in it as well from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Yeah, he's the <laughs> surfer punk that like beats him up. Oh right, yeah, that's right. He beats him up in the water. Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. If you, I mean, honestly, listeners, if you've not seen any of the films we've just mentioned, like sort your lives out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> One guilty pleasure before we move on from Keanu Reeves' movie. I you, I haven't seen it in a long time, so maybe it's complete trash, but I used to really like The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino. I've only seen that a couple of times, but I remember it being not that bad. Like, I yeah, thought it was okay. It's, it's an interesting premise. Like, is it, did it get panned? Um, it did okay. I think it got a couple of nominations. On IMDb, it's a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, so it's, it's definitely solid. solid. I, I, there's, there's something really endearing about Keanu Reeves when he was like being a really sort of earnest actor because he, he doesn't really play his roles in the same with the same level of earnestness there's almost like a mm-hmm. certainly with john wick it's like it's such a sort of massive character it's yeah. such like a cartoony character mm. i think the same with neo really like most of his characters aren't really serious i just love watching him he's also given us one of the hardest films to say which is johnny mnemonic oh yeah johnny mnemonic that that is a genuinely <laughs> awful film like i've seen that numerous times as well yeah. as a kid and it i liked it as a kid but it's really not it's not a great movie yeah i'd say his hit rate is probably only about 20 percent. like he he's done a lot of films it's like i'm good thank you um but yeah the, the good ones uh Incredibly when he hits, good. he slaps. That's the truth. Yeah. I mean, and he's also such a good dude about it. Like He's richer than most actors have ever been, and he's just totally chill about it. I love yeah, it. You would want to be his friend. You got to just give that, like, I'm a, I'm a nice bloke kind of vibe. So Yeah. Yeah. This is a Keanu Reeves special. <laughs> I know it's like a Keanu Reeves loving. Yeah, he can't, it is. he can't do any wrong, and I don't want to hear anything about it. We're going to talk about wrongings in a minute, so... Yeah. It's nice to start this all with came from episode 69 so yeah. <laughs> don't blame us blame the numbers blame the numbers <laughs> baby <laughs> anyone who's watched basically any sport over the last 10 15 20 years will probably have noticed whether it's in english or in german there are hundreds of betting adverts per Football match, tennis match, rugby match, basketball game, whatever it is. The sponsorship seems to be dominated by betting companies trying to get our attention. And, and certainly in recent years, uh, China, at least in, in football, Chinese betting companies have become quite prominent. And often they're utilising celebrities. And I know in Germany, Oliver Kahn's quite prominent with regards to one particular betting company, which will obviously not mention here, no free advertising for you bastards. No. Uh, but in Britain, it's been the case that nearly every pro- sort of former professional footballer and lots of current professional footballers will appear in betting adverts, managers appear in betting adverts. They'll be during the advert breaks, on the advertising hoardings, on football shirts. It's everywhere. Bear in mind, it's not just adults watching sport. It's it's kids as well. It seems to be quite a uh, it's quite a, a lucrative business for people who uh, uh, happy to take the money from betting companies. However, Simon has drawn my attention to an interesting new rule that's been put into place with regards to footballers and celebrities appearing in adverts for gambling companies. 
So Simon, what's the uh, what's the news on the street? <laughs> the news on the street. Uh, this comes to me courtesy of Gary Lineker's Twitter uh, and Sport Bible uh, with this. And if you can't trust Sport Bible, who can you trust in these? Who could you trust? Uh, so yeah, footballers, managers, and other celebrities are banned from gambling adverts in the new set of rules that's being released, and I think this is absolutely fantastic news. Betting as an industry is pretty insidious and the controls that are being put in place um, to protect people from that industry aren't strong enough I don't think at the moment and I choose the word protect very carefully because that's what I think is the case it is addictive sure it's not addictive for everyone there are lots of people that can place a couple of bets have some success and never do it again there's a lot of people that bet once a year on a major horse racing event or something like that and that's it. But gambling, sports gambling in particular, ruins lives and has ruined thousands of families uh, in the UK alone. There was a really, really fascinating documentary, and it's available on YouTube for anyone that's interested, about the footballer Paul Merson. And Paul Merson is an Arsenal legend, uh, an incredibly gifted footballer. He has lost everything multiple times to gambling. He has no stability in his life to this day. He, he still is an addict, a major, major addict. And there was a really interesting moment in, in the documentary where he meets with a psychiatrist who's a specialist in this, and she gives him a tablet and runs him through a program where basically he has to take risks. He has to bet. It's not using money. It's not on anything real. It's just what is more likely, A or B. He loses the first bet, and you can see immediately like a, a, a look comes over him where the addiction has kicked in and he starts making these crazy, crazy bets. And the psychiatrist is there like seeing this happen, being like, you realise what you're doing? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, he's not listening. He's fully in the zone with this thing that's not actually betting. And like, we're lucky that he's still with us. Like he's been on the precipice multiple times. And there are lots and lots of organisations now that are petitioning governments uh, to instill better protections. But I mean, just looking at the UK, gamblingwithlives.org uh, is a good service for anyone that's suffering with betting problems. The stats are pretty vague on these things because we don't know. Obviously, people can't really be questioned. Are you a gambling addict? Because a lot of people that are gambling addicts are very secretive about their addictions. But they reckon it's between 340,000 and 1.4 million gambling addicts in the UK. One in four of them are experiencing serious gambling harms. 55,000 kids between 11 and 16 are addicted to gambling. Jesus. Between 4 and 11% of suicides in the UK are connected to gambling. Like That's just 5 to 10% of suicides being related to gambling. It should be enough to just to destroy this industry. <sighs> so I'm really happy to see that celebrities... And like local heroes are no longer allowed to do this because I think that is hugely problematic. Why don't they just ban like advertising for like it's like smoking advertising? Like yeah. people who want to gamble and people who want to smoke know know those things exist. Like I don't know why we need to have six betting ads per advert break on any sports channel. I just don't understand why that needs to be the case. Because the connection between gambling and death hasn't been established in the consciousness of politicians hmm. yet. Obviously, smoking kills. We've known that solidly since the 50s, but it took until when the, gam 
smoking got banned and advertising what the late 90s in the uk yeah something like that i early noughties maybe so i mean it takes 50 years nearly um to know that something is dangerous for it to not be allowed to be advertised to millions of children it's a seriously serious dangerous thing the advert that i wanted to talk about the most was one i saw recently which um i don't know which company it was for and i wouldn't say anyway but it included a lot of the presenters from sky sports uh but yeah micah richards was there uh, ex manchester city uh, right back an england player and his relationship on the show is very much connected to roy Keane. and roy Keane, for those who don't know was a stalwart of the man united midfield all through the glory days under Ferguson, he was also the captain of Ireland. Mm. He managed Ireland as well. He's also managed Preston and a couple of Ipswich. He's a major, major player and he speaks his mind and he's always about integrity mm. and all this kind of shit. And I was so utterly disgusted to see Roy Keane take money to be in an advert for a gambling company. Maybe it's in his contract as a Sky Sports presenter and he couldn't get out of it. But still, having players and heroes in these adverts is it's just disgusting i would like to see more people being told the truth that's not going to happen of course in the gambling company's advert fuck off ray winston and people like that trying to make out that it's like cool to gamble yeah uh, you want to be a gangster gamble fuck off sorry <laughs> yeah no 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 it's totally reasonable i think i think as the strength of, of of language says it all really i mean it's actually a really heinous industry like especially when you see the stories about how they try to lure in betters, the kind of deals they make. I mean, you've mentioned the the Paul Merson documentary, and that talks a bit about these sort of dark arts that they they use to sort of entice people and and keep people yeah. on the hook, especially online betting companies. And and it was it was a big topic uh, a year ago when they were talking about like the dangers of online gambling and lockdown and that a lot of people mm -hmm. just had there was no controls and and it's like it's that thing of expecting the betting companies and i don't know i mean governments do this all the time it's not just the tories the tories tend to do it a lot but i know like i've seen that you see that in germany i've certainly seen it under various merkel administrations where it's like well you know maybe the industry will regulate itself maybe if yeah. we just maybe if we just hope uh, we don't need to put any legislation in place. We just hope that the companies making loads of money using unethical practices will do the right thing. And it's just like, come on. Like, how naive do you have to be to really believe that? Or just lazy mm. in your job? It's interesting. It's a discussion you don't hear a lot in Germany about the dangers of betting. So you might well believe that our people are more more responsible mm. with their money but i mean this is the truth right i live in a quite middle class nice area all right like there is a literal like a literal across the tracks moment because there's like a road and then there's an area that's the houses just aren't quite as nice as a lot of flats and stuff two betting two like uh gambling halls they call them like casinos but they're not they're just yeah, mini casinos um, yeah. they're just places where you put money into machines for them to tell you that you haven't got them and there was a period in my life where i'd frequent places like that and i've seen like the state of it you want the reality of gambling in germany go into one of those places at like mm -hmm. one o'clock on a on a um on a saturday afternoon and see the this this the sort of the states people people not necessarily in because of intoxication but in because of the amount of money they're gambling like you'd see yeah. you'd see people running six machines at once and all mm. all machine all the machines have 50 plus in them and you can, you can see the amounts 
I certainly wouldn't be putting 50 euros in a in a machine like that seems like quite too rich for my blood you know mm. and it and it and it, it really is it's quite it's quite disturbing seeing that and actually how full they are at, yeah. at those times of day and it quite says a lot really and it's not like anyone's checking in on you and going ah oh, you're gambling responsibly mm. like all they really all they really come around and ask is do you want a cup of coffee which they'll charge you for because they want you to stay and they want you to gamble and they want you to put as much money in the machines as possible. But this is one way I think that the German and British culture, they do diverge a little in, in the way they advertise these things because the footballers and managers who appear generally in the UK ones, they're like, oh yeah, we're friends with you, no? Like they're talking through the camera and it's like they're showing you mm -hmm. like buddy, buddy. Like, oh, you want to be our mate? Gamble with us, blah, blah, blah. And in Germany, you've got Lord Amateus and Oliver Kahn just like staring down the camera and be like, bet. Like, it's not, oh, yeah, buddy, buddy. Oh, yeah, so you win some, you lose some. It's like, I'm Oliver Kahn. I'm going to take your money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is there is that element. I mean, it's it's good that the chose chose two people. Um, well, I mean, I suppose Oliver Kahn does have quite a strong personality. But like, <laughs> That's a mild way of putting it. He's an absolute bellend. Lord Mateus is the most wooden human I've ever seen. But he will read anything. <laughs> if you pay him, you he pay will him read it. And put him in front of him, Lord Mateus will yeah. read it. He will read for money. If we can, if we can rally enough money, he'd he'd, he'd open the show for us. I'm sure. <laughs> I'd love that. Oh, I would like, love what, that. Sixty grand, I reckon he'd do that. Oh mate, oh mate. So if anyone's willing to donate sixty grand to us, <laughs> we'd happily spend it on this entirely frivolous one episode stunt. Is he on cameo? We might be able to get him for less than yeah. sixty grand. At least we're able to wean him off the money from the betting companies, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like the debate about betting is as advanced as it is in the UK. It seems to be very, it's very deep, but it does seem like that's a kind of problem that it affects like the lower income members of society and so isn't of, isn't of interest, isn't as salacious enough for build unless someone dies and it's not chin stroking enough for the sort of broadsheets but maybe i'm being too harsh well i mean we also see there's another diversion between just like the personality of these nations like the average german when they get to like 18 years old 19 20 when you might start gambling most of them have no debt or a small amount of debt university and school is already taken care of you don't have 20 grand debt in yeah, your back yeah. pocket and a credit card being your only way only way of getting to the end of the month and obviously being risk averse is a trait especially financially that, that germany has done for quite mm -hmm. a long time now whereas i think british people were told the national lottery when that started up it's like it could be you oh yeah yeah was their phrase and like that is very much this sort of like english exceptionalism like we took over the world i could win this shit we like to think we're special and we are far less risk averse and because the ma majority of british people are living with pretty heavy debt in comparison to other european nations like what is it to lose another 50 quid on a punt like it's just it doesn't have the same weight, I don't think, as a lot mm. of, does for a lot of Germans. Obviously, there are people in Germany that bet badly and, and lose money and enter the same situations as, as as addicts in the UK. Technology is such a big driver on this as well. Obviously, Germany is now caught up with gambling through your phone and apps now being totally standard. But it's been that way in England for 10 years. Betting with apps is just normal. Um, and of course, if you're just doing it on your sofa with an app, 
it's really easy to lose track of the reality and not standing in a betting shop or in front of a machine pumping coins and notes that are physical. And so it makes it harder to keep track of your losses. And this is something you see a lot where you ask people mm. who are gambling on those machines, like how much have you, how much have you won or how much have you lost today? And the number they produce isn't real. It's a number they tell themselves to feel better about the reality. Gambling addicts can't be honest with themselves because if you are, then you realize this there's a poison you're providing yourself well there's, there's an interesting study that's been done and it's only three weeks old or at least the results being released are only three weeks old but it says that on average every fifth person took part in, in some sort of gambling at least once 6.8 percent of respondents to the survey played risky gambling games such as slots casino games and sports betting within one year namely from the third quarter of 2020 to the third quarter of 2021 uh, and broken down by gender, the proportion of men was 10.4% and women 3.2%. And mm -hmm. how that plays out with regards to gambling uh, addiction, the most likely people, and unsurprisingly, uh, the study found uh, to be addicted to gambling are men. And the proportion of men with gambling, what they call a gambling-associated disorder, is 3.5%, and, and, and that of women, 1.1%. So mm. um, it's still significant numbers when we're taking the, the population. And, and that's actually people between the ages of 21 and 25 are most susceptible. The, the interesting thing about these kinds of studies is that they can be backed up with so much data these days because if you are a standard gambler today and doing it through your app, that company knows every single bet you've placed and it's just in a spreadsheet. It's not like in the old days where you go from one bookshop to the next and like place bets here, place bets there. Mm. Like these companies can really easily identify a gambler who's in trouble and take steps to help them, and they don't. And the amount of times that has happened where someone has committed suicide and then their partner finds out about all this money that's been lost, and sometimes it's it's a matter of months from placing the first bet to ended up being in a situation that's so bad that suicide feels like the only answer. And yeah, that that <laughs> it's an unsustainable business model at the very fucking least. The only real losers are the general public. Mm -hmm. like these companies make money hand over fist. Well, well speak, speaking of money, going back to the, the, this article, uh, this information, this study in, in, on gambling in Germany, it said that there's possibly 430,000 people in Germany with problematic behaviours when it comes to gambling. Mm -hmm. And it said that there was a, an increased risk of addiction when gambling on the internet. And according to the study, every fifth person who gambles online gambles or exhibits problematic gaming behaviour. Yeah. And according to uh, the managing director of Lotto Niedersachsen, Axel Holthaus, which is the company, which is the leading company in the lottery and the pools, nationwide gaming revenues are between 12 and 14 billion euros. Yeah. So we're not talking about chump change here. We're talking about massive amounts of money being spent and at the risk of some real serious consequences for sure. When the National Lottery started in the UK and when it started generally all over the world, like programs were set up so the money was going to be reinvested. Oh, that was the big story, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the Olympics, the British Olympics have had millions over the last 25 years. Athletes have received a lot of money from the National Lottery because it's an investment in, in the prestige and the image of the country. There can be positive twists on this, but of course, that's not what happens anymore. In the, in the same way, now the national lottery is saying that they're like they're losing money because their admin mm. costs are so high, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These aren't benefactors 
helping out anymore. It's just, it's multi-billion dollar companies just, yeah, setting people up to fail. There's an, there's an article from, from this year from the, in The Guardian from the 23rd of March saying gambling addiction could be nine times higher than the industry claims. Yeah, of course. Landmark study finds 1.4 million being harmed and 1.5 million at risk. You can see the difference in the numbers potentially between between Germany and, and, and Britain there, but you in the scale of the problem perhaps is... It's larger in Britain than it than than at least the numbers would 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 suggest that. But even still, like anyone that's the health is at risk from something that could be uh, managed or legislated on just seems ridiculous. Really, just seems like unnecessary. I mean, mm. is is four hundred thirty thousand people exhibiting the traits of um, irresponsible gambling worth giving companies twelve to fourteen billion euros a year? Like, what's that all about? Like, is that the cost? Is it? Like, that's your profit. You put you put like half a million people at risk, and you get that's your reward. Yeah. Like, that seems to be like how we should be thinking about it. Um, and the same with, and I'm sure the numbers are, are just just as similar with English betting companies or British betting companies, and that that's like worth 1.5 million people being at risk. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem doesn't seem very fair. But so hopefully this legislation is. A positive step although it'd be nice to see them do something a little bit tougher it's, but it's, it's a positive first step like when i'm when i'm siding with paul merson we know the world's in real trouble like <laughs> yeah, i, I don't like paul merson <laughs> but i feel very very sorry for him it's all yeah you fucking have a heart dude. yeah that's the truth that's the truth so listeners someone on the podcast's Birthday's upcoming. I'll let you guess who it is. Go on, listener. Guess who it is. No, it's not me. No, it's not me. It is, in fact, my uh, co-host, Simon Maddox. You're going to be, I believe, uh, 22. Is that right? <laughs> no, no. I'm fine with that. I don't want to be 22 again, I don't think. <laughs> no, it was shit. Had no money. Yeah, so it's your birthday on Saturday. That's very exciting. Uh, we've talked about birthdays before on the podcast mm-hmm. and some of the weird things that you can't do like sing happy birthday before your birthday so simon happy birthday oh, what are you doing? to no <laughs> hey no bad karma why not bad karma why not no. are you really have you have you gone native is that is that what you're telling us apparently apparently 12 years is enough to become really fucking superstitious about these things fair enough we do live in bavaria that does yeah. make sense but uh yeah so you're not meant to by by law of <laughs> um law of the grimm's fairy tales to celebrate someone's birthday until it is their exact day which is why you'll find you often get invited to uh, birthday parties that are the day before someone's birthday mm-hmm. so they can celebrate at 12 o'clock with a rousing rendition of hey i learned it in german just for you this it's is shocking just, i can't lustig. believe you're not gonna let me nah, okay 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 sorry <laughs> The other thing that I've always found weird about German birthdays is that you have to, certainly in offices, if it's your birthday, you have to buy every, or bring in a cake that you've made yourself. Usually you'll probably get pelters if you mm-hmm. do, as I was about to say, buy a cake mm. and bring it in. So you need to bring in a cake for your colleagues. And often if you invite people out for your birthday, 
it's that old German invite where which ends up with you paying as the inviter. Mm-hmm. So that's quite common as well. I've never really liked that tradition. I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those weird linguistic things where a German will turn to you earnestly at one point in the evening and be like, you're invited. And like, as a native speaker, it's just like, yeah, I know, I'm here. But it, what it means is I'm paying the bill. Mm. And it, it, it takes a while to get used to that. Like, I, I don't mind having a few people over and buying them drinks but the idea of having like 25 people in the pub and i'm paying for everyone is is obscene no thank you it's, i can't afford it <laughs> well i think i think if you're friends with like the majority of the people you work with the majority of your friends are german then i could handle that bar bill you know that's mm-hmm. not a bad one like what are we saying like three beers each maybe a couple of bottles of wine could live yep. with that but if you think of our group of people which is a mix yeah. of germans and and brits then your bar bill could be in excess of 300 euros like that's not a problem like we've we've been out we've been out with very generous friends for their birthday and it's been a five pinter each and there's been about 20 of us so. i mean yeah five pints is a pretty it's a relatively quiet one as far as celebrations <laughs> go in our community it's a good tuesday but i mean yeah a good solid one we're looking at eight pints like for a really tire not on party and yeah that's expensive. That really is. But um, other than that, the only thing that like I think differs is that a lot of Germans will buy you very practical gifts. I always thought like birthdays were for gifts that were either frivolous or like for en- pure enjoyment. Yeah. But no, a sensible pair of loafers <laughs> or a spatula uh, maybe in your future. Wait, I thought the weird thing was there's so much bullying attached to German birthdays. Bullying? What do you mean? There's a lot of weird bullying that happens, like a lot of chastisement in public. I guess it all starts with the tender age of 14. And I mean, this is it's a difficult age for a lot of people. You're changing, life's changing, the world is becoming very real. And so you get this wonderful new title, uh, Milkmädchen. Uh, or milk booby. Milk booby is one of my favourite words in in German. It's also the name of a sweet, uh, and the advert <laughs> is milk boobies. And <laughs> there was a good six months where my wife and I would just shout that at each other, <laughs> just to make each other laugh. So it's it's more hilarious because obviously um, booby has a different meaning yeah. in in English. Yeah, booby in in German means uh, like a small boy, doesn't yeah. it? A small a small child. But the milk booby sweet does look like a lot like a pair of tits it's really it's so on the nose it's crazy it's not dissimilar it's, it's got nipples <laughs> it does okay i'm going to uh burn my laptop now um that'll be my plan so yeah at 14 you are called a milk booby and how, how do you celebrate being a milk booby your parents <laughs> the people that that love and protect you uh, are going to pour yogurt or milk over your head. What is that? What's that about? Yeah. That is very curious. Have you seen that happen? No, no, I've not. No, I've, ne- I've never been to a 14-year-old's birthday party here. <laughs> that would be really weird if I had. Le- legit, it would have been worse if you'd said, yes, I see it all the time. Uh, my nephew is, is only is only four years off, so I'll <laughs> see if I can get an invite to that birthday. Let's go. I'm just here as an independent observer. Turn up with six pints of milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. It does seem a little bit like it's prep for, 
you're going to go into secondary school, so... Get ready for bullying. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a teenager now. Get ready for this. At least this is in person and not online. Yeah, geez. So, um, but that's fine, though. So your 14th birthday is a bit weird, but everything else is okay. Is that what you're telling us? I mean, 15's fine. Nothing happens then. 16, <laughs> you get bullied again. Primarily, apparently, in, in the North. A really good word in German. Paniert. Paniert is normally for schnitzels and things. The the 16-year-old, the, the words are kind and gets covered in flour. Is that that's a North German thing though, right? Yeah, it is a North German thing, but it's also something from Jackass. I think they <laughs> called it antiquing. Because <laughs> you do look like a statue after you've had a load of meal, a load of flour thrown in your face. I think I'm getting it now, right? So I'm guessing the seventeenth birthday, nothing happens. Correct. And then you get what, like chucked into a volcano at eighteen? <laughs> Sacrificed to Goethe. Uh, yeah no 18 uh you become a man or a woman you've made it to adulthood you get hit in the head with eggs with eggs eggs raw eggs oh, like that is sinister that is like there's nothing there's never a time where being egged is a positive maybe as a charity event the only positive i'm seeing here is this is a bit of a sort of side flex from germany showing <laughs> look how much food we have we're gonna waste it on birthdays <laughs> It does seem like they've they've separated the flour and the eggs mm-hmm. a bit a bit too long. So maybe maybe you bring those two together. Yeah, get a bit of bacon soda. Maybe um, maybe some some sugar. Maybe start baking yourself a cake. <laughs> We've got the foundation of a very weird nineteenth birthday celebration. The cake kind. Uh, just get all the ingredients at once and you make a, a cake on someone's head all right so does something happen when you turn 20 then so we miss 19 nothing weird happens 20 no nothing at 20 all right okay i'm, I'm guessing this 25 all oh, right okay i was assuming this would this would be the case so what what happens at 25 then so at 25 if you're a man you get like a wreath of socks uh and this symbolizes you have attained the title of Adenzoch, um just mean old git. A twenty-five. A twenty-five. You are an <laughs> old git. An Adenzoch. Jesus. If you are a woman, or when when you are a woman, if when um, women in this situation uh, get what's called a shaktulkranz, which we have translated as wreath. I think was that the what we came up wreath, with wreath or garland? Does garland. Because what we looked yeah. at, what we saw online was the um, the garland of cigarettes, it seemed, was very yeah. popular. So a shaktul is like, yeah, it's a, bo- a box of cigarettes. Uh, a pack of fags is called a shaktul, uh, shaktul kupen. So yeah, loads of cigarettes on a rope, and you get that when you're 25. I'm not sure I want that. It does feel like, does, again, and this is, we've talked about this when we talked about traditions like two years ago does feel like a lot of these traditions were invented in the 70s. Is the next one like uh, you turn 30 and everyone gets hammered on baby sham? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> 30 is correct. Uh, but no, this one is a lot more sort of Richtung Mittelalter. It's a lot more old school, a bit more medieval, this one. Um, <laughs> like they're going to hit you with a mace. <laughs> <laughs> not quite so violently medieval. But yeah, if you're a single man at your 30th birthday, um, you need to in public uh sweep the steps of town hall all right we're just doing public humility we're going yeah. straight to public humiliation exactly. in the middle of a city right and yeah. to be freed from this task requires the kiss of a young woman right that's not weird not weird at all <laughs> definitely a standard bit of operating procedure there 
so yeah there's pressure on women as well that's nice and if you are a, a woman and you get to 30 and you're still not married you have to polish doorknobs polish doorknobs yeah i mean it sounds like a euphemism doesn't it really it does but, uh, really it very much does yes but the less said about that the better <laughs> well the weird thing about this is is obviously the idea is you go around polishing doorknobs in public again it's this public humiliation that's the, the origin of it and so what some families do to get away from the public humiliation is that i guess the father gets a piece of wood and drills in a load of door handles and then his daughter like polishes them at home so she doesn't have to be publicly shamed i i think i think what i would do is if that was my daughter i'd just be like fuck that shit let's get pissed like that's my plan <laughs> right and and then anyone who knows me will know that that is that's the, probably my default plan is yeah fuck this shit let's get pissed uh, i think that's my business cards i mean what i don't have in the notes here is what happens if you don't do these things and knowing german tradition it's that your soul's going to hell it's 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 some religious element (laughs) yeah so what happens is satan comes from the uh the nether regions and like eats your liver all right mint um you didn't polish enough doorknobs lady (laughs) (laughs) no that wasn't that wasn't a doorknob it was a door handle you prick (laughs) it didn't turn (laughs) (laughs) doesn't count oh geez right so hopefully then we're finished with the public humiliation no there's more there's more Uh, so the next is 40 couple of years until till i'm at this age uh if you are still unmarried at 40 you have to ride a donkey (laughs) so you gotta so you gotta ride a donkey through the place you live uh, and then you're called the Alter Easel, the old donkey. Yeah. Why were Why were rewarding unmarried forty year olds with like rides on donkeys? What about as married forty year olds? I'm going to be forty next year. I want to fucking ride on a donkey. Like <laughs> I swear to God, if no one brings me a donkey to ride around on, I'm going to be this. And I tell you what, this horse, the stables. I was going to say horse houses. The stables. <laughs> <laughs> the horse stables. Houses. Yeah, it's where the horses live. Uh, the stables just near where I live. And I've seen, I've seen a fucking donkey wandering around. So, like, I expect, I don't care. It shouldn't be just unmarried people who get the benefit of riding donkeys. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I hope, I hope we can source a donkey for you. <laughs> oh, my God, you're going to get me a donkey for my bit. That'd be great, now. I always imagine having a midget donkey called Hoti, and then it'd be Donkey Hoti. <laughs> oh, God. What have, what have okay, I moving on. Into? 50th birthday. <laughs> Uh, then yeah. you, you have what's called a sack fest uh, because you are an alter zack, uh, an old sack. Is that like a another name for like Logan's Run? Your like hand starts <laughs> beeping and you've got to like be hunted down by everybody and thrown out of the community. It's like yeah. it's a sack fest, get him! Yeah, <laughs> chase down the street. And then thankfully you're left to peace for fifty years until your hundredth birthday if you get there. Uh, then if you're lucky, your local mayor will come and knock on your door and gradually them Geburtstagskind persönlich. There's two things I was thinking here is, isn't a visit from the Burgermeister significantly shitter kind of celebration than riding a donkey? And two, <laughs> isn't isn't it funny that even at 100 years old, people are still going to be called Geburtstagkind? That's frankly hilarious. It is pretty sweet that a centenarian is called kind 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a nice list. I think uh, what we need right now is uh, for me to sing happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to what you. No! <laughs> Stop this. Happy birthday to you. You're giving me bad juju. Oh, man. This is totally unfair. See? If I fall over on my birthday and hurt myself i'm holding you entirely responsible and i will inform the crankencasa that you're the reason are you going to be drinking on your birthday yep i accept absolutely no responsibility for what a kiss uh, well these traditions <laughs> don't agree with you buddy <laughs> okay so we've talked about the curious i mean it's a shame that i don't get to pelt you with eggs and flour and we've missed those opportunities but uh maybe next maybe next year so um if we if, if we can't do any of these fun celebrations, what about like gift giving? Have we got any ideas for gifts to give your favourite German or person living in Germany? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of resources on the internet. Like, if you haven't, if you don't know the person very well, then I guess googling ideas for gift giving uh, is is a pretty reasonable place to start. The first suggestion I found was a bottle of wine or a good liquor. I, do you know what? If somebody bought me a bottle of wine for my birthday, I'd be really pissed off. Would you? I know what you're doing? Yeah, I don't drink wine. Like, and anyone who knows me knows I don't drink wine. Like, if you bought me a bottle of wine, I'd assume there's either like a gag, like it's going to explode or something. <laughs> but like, if somebody just bought me a bottle of wine, I'd be like, you don't really know me that well, dear. Oh, dear. This is a gift that says, I don't really know you and I don't know what you want. So I know you drink alcohol. Yeah, I know you. I know you might have alcohol issues. Here you go. <laughs> but I, th- I mean, I, I don't hate it because I think there is, is an opportunity to like, to share an understanding of someone. Like if, if somebody gave me a bottle of like Spanish red, I'd be like, yeah, that's exactly the kind of wine I like. Um, but if they got me some like fancy French shit, and I'd be like, I'm not developed enough for this complex highbrow shit. I'd just be like, thanks for giving me something to put in my basement, I guess, that probably won't ever see the light of day again. A bottle of liqueur, I could sort of like a schnapps or something, then I'm like, I'm on. We're on like Donkey Kong. It's never going to be like an action figure, which is what I secretly want. I want. <laughs> I, I mean, Frangelico the- is a bit like an action figure. Hey, don't you diss Frangelico to fine beverage? No, I'm saying I'm saying it's a perfect <laughs> gift for you. It's like, oh yeah, no, that is a very perfect gift for me. That's exactly what I would <laughs> would be happy with. Indeed, a bottle of Frangelico, a bottle of Schnapps, or the complete Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figure collection. That would yeah. be fine too. That's, that's pricey. I think that last option. <laughs> uh, the next one we have is beer. Yeah, fine. I'm fine with that. I suppose if you somebody bought me, if anyone bought me a Lambsbroy beer, then the, okay, I'd just ask yeah. them to leave. I'd be like, get out of my house. You're not welcome here. <laughs> this leave. is the the big downside. It, it, beer is a great opportunity to make yourself look stupid. Like if you turn mm. up with the wrong beer, it could be it could be. A, <laughs> Got you some Becks. Yeah. <laughs> you drink Holston, yeah. <laughs> uh, next suggestion we had is fine chocolate. Fine. Only the finest chocolates for go- for birthday gifts. I mean, what's a fine chocolate? Like, it's going to have to be like in a nice sort of saran wrap with a ribbon or something, isn't it? I mean, that's that's a fine chocolate right there. But I mean, also, if you do go to a, a fancy chocolate shop here, unless you go to a Swiss one, and there are quite a few Swiss chocolate shops here that are very adult, otherwise you're also going to find in a German chocolate shop like a German saw made of chocolate or a football boot mm. made of chocolate there's mm-hmm. also a lot of novelty junk uh, attached mm. to this industry um the note says either from a supermarket or a chocolate shop <laughs> so <laughs> i got you a milk bar oh yeah 
Thanks. But I mean, if you got me a milk of caramel, that's a fancy chocolate in my book. So yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Okay. Next one for for the foreigners: some specialities or souvenirs from your home country. Stotties, you're getting stotties. Stotties is is the shout. And a from, jar of pickle. Our, our resident Geordie. jar of pickle. I'd be li- I'd be delighted with uh, pickled onions. Yes, please. Um, yeah, I'm totally down for getting gifts from the UK. Okay, and what, what, what's what's next on the list? Flowers then? is next. Yeah, mm, flowers okay. work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're nice to look at, aren't they? Uh, apparently, they should also be uneven numbers, except thirteen. I feel like if you're counting the flowers, then that's kind of like. If I give you money and you count it in front of me, oh, I see you've only you've got you've got seven flowers. I'm like, fuck off! Like, one of them's massive, man. <laughs> one of them's a sunflower. That's like three flowers. I, I I can't speak for all men, but my instinct, if I'm buying flowers, I just I would glance at them for like two seconds whilst picking, and then I wouldn't <laughs> even think about them until I just handed them over. But like, here are flowers. I don't know what they look like. Yeah, these flowers. But I hope you are, like them. Were the ones um, that had uh, were the between the most expensive and the least expensive. <laughs> exactly. This is a solid seven euros <laughs> flowers. Next up, a good quality scarf. How's that for a suggestion? Uh, like, I don't like people buying me clothes of any type. Like, mm-hmm. it'd have to be one colour. But, like, it's never gone well when people have bought me clothes. Like, it's never... Unless it's a Newcastle United <laughs> Clothes are a pretty standard gift. Uh, I, I, I request from my wife. Like, yeah, if there's no real thing that I would like for my birthday, then I'll quite often just be like, just get me something with three stripes on it. I'll like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have... An, Brixton is another brand that I, I wear, I'm wearing right now. Anything from Brixton, I'm going to love. Um, spur shirts, safe bet as well. So, yeah, I think there are options, but yeah, good quality scarf really feels like. I don't know you at all, and here is something that I think you maybe might need more of. Uh, it's not a great gift at all. This this one, I guess, isn't really for birthdays. Pens or other office equipment with your company logo. Oh, God, with your company logo? What the yeah. fuck is wrong? Like any no, no. So we'll move on from that. Personalized gifts. Obviously, this is a really big industry. You can get anything with your name on it, with the other person's name on it. So I think that can be quite good. You're just giving them like an obligation. Like here's a, a picture frame with your name. Oh God, yeah, no, no, no. Total shit. Or like sort of one of those <laughs> sorts of wooden board things that go on the wall that say like. Mm-hmm. Live, laugh, love. Oh, yeah. My wife's family does calendars for each other. Oh, that's nice. And I think that's a really, really nice thing. But at the same time, like, if you don't get it right, you've basically got 12 months <laughs> with this calendar that you don't particularly like. Um, but yeah, my, my wife's family and my wife are very, very good at nailing calendars. Uh, so yeah, it's no complaints here. The trick there, sticking loads of pictures of your kids in there and everyone's just happy. That's enough can't go wrong with yeah we we do cats instead that works pets pets and kids man they're the content of calendars for sure the final one that comes up with is experience coupons Mm. red letter days i guess is what they were called in the uk and i guess for the german market it's jochen schweizer um the Herr Schweitzer is one of the dragons, or it was one of these, sorry, one of the Leuven, who uh, in this Leuven's dragon's den for the German audience. Mm-hmm. And he has this, this huge experience industry, mm-hmm. uh, anything from hot air balloon rides to 
water skis to swimming with dolphins to yeah they'll be like a, like learn to learn to bake like an italian become a grill master mm-hmm. become a grill master on a boat you know that kind of jazz so if you want to make Jochen schweizer even richer that's a really good way to support him i mean it's a i think that's the best kind of gift you can give to somebody you don't really know if you were like oh i got you a hot air balloon ride but i mean i i, I can't think of anything worse than hot air <laughs> balloon right but you could get rid I'm of it i'm terrified of heights all right okay yeah fair enough i'm not going to get you that but i've just <laughs> got to make a phone call two seconds um <laughs> no, um but it's something that like you could get rid of really easily you'd be like oh i got this i don't really i don't really like it but if you, you palm it off to one of your mates you'd be like oh yeah sure like that'd be mint you gain a bit you gain a bit I, of credibility amongst your friends by donating your your sort of experience gift to somebody. Yeah, but you're just giving someone a commitment, no? Like, it's, here's this thing: it's gonna you got to take a day's holiday to go and do because it's not convenient at all. It's only hosted in five locations nationwide. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not crazy about it. I suppose that could be on a list of of gifts that you don't really want to give. I don't know. I know there's plenty of gifts you shouldn't be given in in Germany. So we'll just quickly rattle through those uh, because there are a few. So certain flowers yeah, you, uh, are apparently problematic. You can, get, you can give some more flowers, but just not those flowers. No, not those flowers. No, no, not those flowers. So yeah, no carnations apparently. They're yeah. for mourning. Chrysanthemums and lilies yeah. are for funerals. Exactly. Red roses, unless you are romantically interested. I mean, in who's someone. given? Like, if I gave you like a, a bunch of red roses, you'd be like, whoa okay <laughs> like, what's going on here like what's what's he up to you well know? i mean my first reaction was like oh that's all the petrol station had <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so that would be a legit reason but if you're given yeah. like a platonic sort of friend um those flowers then that's quite suggestive in yeah, any culture i think or most cultures next is pointed objects because they're difficult uh, to wrap knives and scissors oh, they are <laughs> tricky to wrap any accidental stabbings at someone's birthday is not what anybody wants. No, no, no. That's not the story of a good party. Yeah. Flexing with an overly expensive item uh, is not recommended, of course. I don't know. I mean, a lot of things are quite expensive nowadays. I mean, buying, <laughs> buying it, I could have buy you a can of petrol, couldn't I? So, like, would that be considered too too expensive? Oh, Nick, with this can of petrol, you're really spoiling me. <laughs> I saw it for one ninety nine a litre yesterday, so I think it's getting cheaper, it's getting affordable again. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> back to normality, I guess. Gifts that are too personal is obviously a bit of a faux pas in any culture. Perfumes, toiletries. Pants. Clothing, as you mentioned. Yeah, giving someone pants would be a bit much. So yeah, stick with the scarf, I guess, is the advice here. Yeah, don't buy pants. That's the lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the final one to not buy is an unusual or an exotic gift. This is not our opinion necessarily, but um, the article I found this from says, German people are not very open to very exotic food. Therefore, you should consider if you're giving specialities from your own country. I don't know. I've been gifted hot sauce by people and I was like, that's an exotic gift Mm. by a lot of standards. I guess what they're saying is don't buy anyone a mango. (laughs) No kumquats. No kumquats. There's no exotic fruit. You just get them an apple and they'll fucking like it. That's the way it is. Hello zusammen. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also give us some star ratings on Spotify, so chuck us some feedback on there as well. Also, I believe there's something or other on Google Podcasts. I should probably know by now, but but I don't. 
but if you use google podcasts go find out if you can rate us and if you feel so inclined email me to let me know anyway retweet us share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on twitter or instagram you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decades from home we're continuing to post links to support ukraine and the millions of refugees fleeing the war so if you have some time please take a look and if possible donate to support them as ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40% German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss!